Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Yo, yo, Dad, what's going on? What's going on? How your week been? Um, thankfully, nothing has been going on, if that makes any sense. Um, the last couple of weeks, I've been traveling so much that I'm just happy that I was able to just sit down for the last week. Yeah, it's like that when you're doing a lot of traveling. Um, you know, I had a couple, couple moments like that throughout the summer where you're just doing so much. You're like, oh, I just want to be home and do nothing. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I did end up doing like a lot of like work on my dissertation and reading and, you know, trying to write. But it's just I'm looking forward to at least the next two weeks not having to get on a plane. Mm, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, because next week. Next week for me, my class semester starts. Oh, are you excited? Do you have your uh, course, your courses together? You're not like, usually I do by this time, but I do not. <laughs> so I'm gonna be like the, be like the rest of my colleagues. This go around. Well, my co- most of my colleagues don't have their syllabus ready to the the day of class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that usually have it a week or two early because I just like getting it over with. But yeah, I'm gonna be uh, procrastinating this time around because I've been doing so much stuff. I'm gonna try to work on it this week though, but. They will be done by the time classes start. I can guarantee that. That that Matt, <laughs> have you gotten any students asking you? Can I can I get the syllabus? N- no, no. Most of the time, they just want to know because they want to know if there's any books they need to get. So what I'll probably do is just send out an email as far as like the required text, and mm-hmm. say hey, so you can start looking at that and budgeting however to help them out to get that. Uh, but yeah, the syllabus they'll be all right this time around. <laughs> the considerate professor. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I just like, ah, the summer flew by. I'm like, dang, I'm about to get back to teaching already, huh? It's really about to be the end of August. It's just, just crazy to me. Yeah. And it's been an eventful summer, so that's good. I guess it's been productive for me. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right, so. Okay. I was about to say, do you know how many days there are until 2020? I have no idea. 135 days at least the day that we're recording 135 days oh man 2020 almost here did you have any uh new year's resolutions uh did i have any new year's resolutions i i think i just thought broadly about new year's resolutions is that you know i wanted to develop some good habits um i don't necessarily think i said i wanted to lose weight I'm pretty sure I did, but I just want to develop, develop better habits around health um, and work. So I'm a night owl and I like to wake up late, like sleep. I mean, go to sleep late, wake up late. And so I wanted to develop better habits around like waking up a little bit earlier so I can actually enjoy my evenings. Um, <laughs> things of that nature. <laughs> and I feel like for the most part. I like who I am in 2019, so I'm not 
upset or I'm not like, oh my God, I wish I had done more. I think in terms of like making time for working out, I wish I had done more because I allow my schedule to just get in the way. But this month I've actually been pretty good at it. This month and last month I started running again. So we'll see. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Cause a lot of times it's the, you're getting close to the 2020. Everybody checks in on their 2019 goals to see <laughs> if they've made any progress. Have so you made good. any progress? Um, I don't think I really made any resolutions, you know. Um, but I would say this year I have probably has been one of my like most like booked and busy and productive years. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like work and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I already know my um 2020 resolution is going to be uh relaxing <laughs> taking it taking it easy <laughs> yeah gotta find that work life balance yeah there's no way I'm gonna do this for two years in a row I'm gonna chill for a little I'm gonna keep working but you know that the pace I've been doing 2019 I'm like nah but you know it's the it's the pre-tenure push so it makes sense yeah whatever um but yeah yeah I feel you I I was well Saturday I was feeling a little bit bad because I'm trying to get these chapters done before I go on the job market And so I had this plan. I'm going to work every day, all day, every day. And I have been doing it. Although I was home and I was chilling, you know, I was working in the home environment, but I was still just going hard. And Saturday came and I was just like, I cannot read anything else. I, I just can't. And I ended up just like binge watching season six of the 100. And I had to think to myself while I was watching the show I'm like I deserved it like there's nothing wrong with taking a break nothing at all (laughs) (laughs) I I, that's one thing I can say I never feel bad about taking a break you know especially if you know you've been putting in work for a few days or however long I am all for taking that whole day sleeping in eating in watching tv going (laughs) to a movie enjoying it because it is it's just life you just need it you know it's Mm -hmm. too much when you get to that point where like you just feel like you can't do any more work anymore yeah put it down refresh your brain i feel like your brain just needs that time to just chill too you know if you Mm -hmm. especially if you want to put out that high quality work you know you got to give your brain like if it's like uh working out if you work that hard every day you don't give your body a chance to recover you're not getting stronger (laughs) Yeah, good yeah, way to think about it. So, but it's good. Don't feel bad about taking no breaks. And I, I watched the 100 too. I didn't know you watched that show. Yeah, yeah, I do. And it's funny because so season seven is going to be its last season, um, and season six just ended. But it got on Netflix so quickly. I didn't know Netflix shows uploaded that quickly. They just had the finale like a week or so ago, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. already on Netflix. I did. I benched the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> I just binged the whole season of this show. It was only eight episodes, though, yesterday um, of uh, the show The Boys. I don't know if you heard about that show. The Boys. The Boys. It just came out. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, is that that? Um, it's, it's like about, a superhero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I need to finish watching. I, I've watched like four four or five episodes, um, but I've just been so busy. I haven't been able to finish it, but it was interesting. Yeah, it's not your, for the listeners, it's not your typical superhero show. It's really not. You should it's, check it out. It's probably more of a realistic portrayal if superheroes were real. Yeah, know, what it um, would be like. Because they are, because I think it just shows that they still are human. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times we watch the movies and the shows like, oh, there's these great characters. But, you know, this is like, nah, these superheroes are definitely people and do some <laughs> messed up things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, check that out. If you have it, yeah, it's definitely a twist on superheroes. 
Um, but all right, we got some old Lord news ready, Rock? Yeah, we got a couple stories. All right, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening old Lord news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say... Okay, for our first Oh Lord news story, uh, this is politically motivated. So um, there was recently an opening of a shell plant in Pennsylvania and workers at this massive shell plant were forced to attend a speech by Trump earlier last week if they wanted to be paid. Wow, is that even legal? <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's what I was trying to figure out because what they did, um, so Shell put out a letter and they tried to make it seem like, I, I don't know. I feel like this is the legal workaround. So what they said was, um, you won't be paid for that period of work if you don't show up. They said attendance is not mandatory uh, this will be considered an excused absence. However, those who are not in attendance will not receive overtime pay on Friday. So it's like you're playing with people's money. That's wild. And they yeah. also told them that they could not yell. They could not shout. They could not even do anything that looked like resistance or protest. Wow. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm not a lawyer, but just something don't sound right about that whole situation right there. Like yeah. forcing people to go to a political event and and saying they can lose money and then also telling them that they can't use their, I guess because they're on a clock, maybe that's a loophole. I don't know. I, I don't know. But, you, you know, of course, it turned into Trump was supposed to talk about energy, but he ended up talking about how... Um, the the workers there need you know to make sure that their um union people are supporting trump and if they aren't supporting him then maybe they need to get them out of the job because they're not doing their job if not they're not supporting trump and how they should be thankful to him because he got them those jobs but the issue with that claim is that yes the construction for the plant did start in 2017 but the plant was approved in 2016 under Obama. Mm. Trump had nothing to do with this plant opening, but of course he took credit for it. Typical Trump, man, taking taking credit for all Obama's work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, you know what, that is a pattern that I found that really bothers me. Obama inherited a horrible economy. So he got all the blame for Bush's mistakes. He helped improve the economy with, you know, other people who didn't do it alone. But the fruits of all of his labor, we we saw them more as Trump got into office and he took credit for it. Yeah, he did. He took credit. He did not waste time taking credit for everything. Like, bro, you've been here for for 10 days. You did not make this economy better that quickly. Well, people believe it, though. That's the that's the scary thing about Trump is like a lot of his constituents just don't fact check and don't look at that things. And he said it. Uh, it must be true. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And actually, there I saw some people, and I deleted this person on Facebook. But uh, as soon as I guess Trump was elected, there was like a spike in the um, stock market. And they were like, "Oh my God, look at him! He's already boosting the economy, and he just got elected." I'm like, "Nope, nope." <laughs> I'm gonna have to delete you. I didn't delete yeah. them over that, but it was just kind of like their behavior started to spiral on Facebook, and I was like, I gotta get this energy. Out of my <laughs> Yo, you ain't never lie. I've been doing that a lot more lately. <laughs> just like I feel like you just need that, man. You know, some friends, some friend, whoever. You know, I'm, if I'm not deleting you, I'm muting you so I can't see. You know, you mm. on my timeline because some people just be doing some wild stuff, man. I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like seeing this right now. And Facebook is supposed to be my escape. So it's just yes. like, I'm not going on there to get yeah, you pissed wanna, off. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you want to see what you want to see. So I don't blame you for that one. Yeah. Okay. So for this next story, we actually posted it online, but I wanted to just discuss it a little bit more. Um, so you played football growing up, right? Yep. Yep. I did. Did you ever participate in any fundraisers? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, well, four black teens who were trying to raise money for their football team by going door to door. I think they were selling candy or something like that. Ended up face down on the ground while a regular old citizen held them at gunpoint for wow. going door to door selling candy. Oh, my goodness. Yo, that is wild. So the person who did it is married, actually married to a county jail administrator and claimed, I guess, that they were like a former uh, law enforcement officer or something like that. But what happened was the boys, you know, they were like 14, 15, 16, you know, going door to door. Of course, I'm pretty sure they're having fun as they go door to door. So she comes outside and she's like, what are you doing? Oh, they were selling some type of card. Oh, they were selling discount cards to restaurants. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so That's she told them, to if you're going to sell cards, act like you're selling cards. Um, but this this was when the police came and like defused the situation. But what happened is she ended up making them lay face down on the ground, holding them at gunpoint uh, because they were suspicious. And she called the police. And it was crazy is when one of the officers got there, he was the school resource officer and recognized them and was like, they're just selling uh, cards for wow. uh, sports. Uh, but the great thing is she was arrested good, um, and charged with um, like holding them against their will and like um, aggravated. I don't know if it was aggravated assault, but it was it something be. related to the, <laughs> the weapon, like holding a weapon, holding, yeah. holding them with a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. That that is like wild. First off, people feeling too powerful when they have these guns, man. And. And what be killing me too is that some of these folks don't really be law enforcement. They just be like law enforcement adjacent, adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> and they be feeling like they're the police, man, and be doing the most. Like, come on, like just because you worked in the jail, you or your husband or your wife, somebody worked in the jail, does not mean you are law enforcement and be taking you know the law into your own hands. And you know what's what was it's not funny, but was crazy is that as the boys were walking away, one they said that she forced them to like shake her hand and that she pointed to her skin and their skin and said, It's not about that. Oh my god. Oh yeah, okay. 
Okay, yeah, because she knew what was coming next. She knew. She knew what was coming next in that storyline. Like, that's the thing. Like, if it, you, that, it, should, it is about race, because if it was some white boys coming down there, she would not have did all that, man. No. You see a bunch of black boys selling, they think they have to something. And, yeah, that's exactly what we used to sell when I was in football. The little discount cards, $20, and you could take them to certain local restaurants and they give you a percentage up for the whole year. Um, and it's just scary because it's just like, as a parent, man, like, you know, you got your kids playing sports or whatever activities and they always have fundraisers selling candy, selling things. And it's like, yo, what if somebody did that to one of my children, yo? Like, And what oh if it ended tragically? God. And what if it ended tragically? All they're doing is just selling, you know, stuff for their sports team and you're holding them at gunpoint with their faces mm-hmm. on the ground? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, not only is that traumatizing for the kids, but now the stress induced by the families and trying to recover from that, like, this stuff is like... It's too much, man. Like, they're going to be dealing with that for a while. It's not something you just get over, you know, the next day. Like, oh, okay, my bad. You know, it's like, nah, this is some messed up stuff that's going to mess with them for a little bit. Uh, that's crazy. But I'm glad she got arrested to say that at least. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so this is kind of, oh, Lord. But I just also want to get your perspective on this, especially since, you know, you do research and work related to criminal justice. So teens from Chicago... Um, this past week were participating. It was like four or five teens. They were participating in a burglary. And one of the 14 year old uh, boys was actually shot and killed by the homeowner with a gun. Now what's happened since that time is four of the teens have been charged as adults and face charges for the murder of that 14-year-old teen because in Illinois, there's a law that allows authorities to charge suspects with murder if someone dies in the commission of a serious crime. So although they, of course, did not kill him and, you know, the homeowner did protecting his home. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. But I just want to know how you feel about now these four, 14, 15-year-olds will likely face life in prison because um, their friend was killed in the commission of a crime. Yeah, no, that's a tough one. Um, I don't think that, yeah, because most in cases like this, I don't, I got to look at the origins of this law, but I feel like it's probably more so when it's like for larger groups or like when, you know, a lot, like it's a bigger situation where somebody's defending themselves, maybe from a bigger group of folks or what have you. But one thing about these kind of laws, especially when they're teenagers and they're not adults, I feel like that they shouldn't be tried as adults, you know, with that same kind of stipulations that Mm -hmm. an adult would. um, Because, yeah, they're 14, 15 year old. Of course, they're doing something stupid. And then one of their friends lost their life because of it. But now you're going to take more time away from um, the others, you know, when that wasn't the intent. They weren't trying to kill anybody it would be my assumption especially a friend and the result of that so I think it's just you know adding more fuel to the fire I don't, it's, it's, it's a little overkill because um, they're going to get in trouble they're going to serve some time for committing this crime and and you know and, and of course dealing with the emotional trauma I'm sure this person was a friend of theirs and somebody they knew who died because of that now you're tacking on the fact that uh, you know they can serve maybe life in prison or even lo- or you know a longer time because because of this is just is a little overkill. Yeah, and actually, you know what? I have a correction 
three of the four are 17 and one is 16, but the one oh, okay. that was killed was 14. I don't know if that changes your opinion, but. Okay, okay. Well, now, now maybe it makes sense. Just being 17, yeah, most places you're going to get tried as an adult. So, I mean, that. I can see why that's happened, but if it was 14 or 15. But, yeah, it sucks that the 14-year-old died. Um, yeah, hopefully that charge doesn't stick, though. You know, sometimes the prosecutors will just put a bunch of charges out there yeah. and the defense will try to uh, plea it down, and that might be one of the charges they'll they'll try to take off if they plead guilty to everything else. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, you know, seeing their age, okay, I guess I understand they'll be charged as adult, but I'm not sure how I feel about... You know, yes, they were committing a crime. Yes, I think they should be punished for that crime. But I don't I don't know. I guess the law is like you should expect that something is going to happen like this. I don't know. But I, I don't know. That law makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those laws. And I got, I got to look at the origins of it because just having something like that really doesn't make sense. <clears throat> but it seems like they would make... They, they. It seems like it's round the right way. They would continue to make all these punitive laws because they want to make everyone pay for this crime if you were involved. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that somebody died, well, you all are going to pay. And we're just going to have that in in, in law. Um, but yeah, again, these are some some laws that are just are a little bit excessive, uh, for sure. So sad that it all happened. You know. Okay, and then this last one is interesting. What would you do if you went? To an airport, you walk through security and somebody slipped you a note. What do you think would be on the other? What What do you think the note would probably say? Uh, I don't know. A range of things. Um, you know, maybe a number, maybe like my shoes or something. Who knows? I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, in one uh, greater Rochester International Airport, airport in June, a guy walked through security and TSA slipped him a note. They yelled back, you're not going to look at the note. And when he did, he opened it up and it said, you ugly, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. <laughs> Yo. Oh, my Whoa. God. Who, that dude, wild or whoever did that, man. It was, oh. a, it was a woman that oh. did it to a guy, yeah. Oh, my God. Why would she do that? I don't know. It's That is so strange. And at first, you know, they did not believe him. And he was like, well, I want the footage of it. And he had to do, like, an open records request to get the footage, like, showing that, yes, somebody did hand him a note. Um, and you know what? I look at it, look up. Uh, Looking at his face, like when he got the note, he had like a little smile. So he probably thought it was, you know, maybe a number or maybe a compliment. It, I don't know. It's so random, but she lost her job. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, why would you lose your job over that? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, that's wild. You know, I, maybe she was maybe that was her way of flirting. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. don't know. I don't know. It was a black woman and a white man, too. And like they oh, look like man. different age ranges. I don't know what yeah, she was thinking. I don't know what she was thinking. But <laughs> that's wild, man. I don't know why. But yeah, I don't know what I'll do if I got a note like that. Yeah, just get, I just guess how my feelings hurt a little bit, I guess. Oh, no, I'm <laughs> suing for emotional distress. What are you talking about? <laughs> Come on, TSA, try me. Take TSA out. Uh, get, get paid for this employee. That's funny. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, you got any news? I just story? got one old Lord news story where it was caught my eye. Um, <laughs> so we all know about the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, right? Yes. 
<laughs> and we also know that, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King also has siblings and, and offspring, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, recently, you know, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's niece, Dr. Alveda King, was on um, Fox News. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, this, this particular footage went viral um, essentially because she was on there praising President Trump. Oh, my God. <laughs> she said that he is not a white supremacist, okay? Um, and the fact that he has done more for, you know, this country than anybody else, and especially African Americans. And she said that he is probably the best president that we ever have seen in America. <laughs> How much she getting paid? <laughs> I have no idea. Or just mental illness? I don't know. So- oh, I mean, she seemed... You know, fine on the footage, you know, if you check it out. I think it was on the Savoy show. I think that's how you pronounce it um, on Fox News. Uh, but, yeah, she was on there kind of walling out, praising this guy Trump and saying that everybody else is pretty much incorrect and inaccurate as far as their assessment of how he's been treating black folks. Ooh, I bet Trump ate that up, man. Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> you know, you got the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King saying that you're doing a great job. Oh, man. So. I'm a great civil rights leader. Uh, uh, Dr. King's niece even said so. Yeah, exactly. That's you exactly know. what he's going to say. You know he loves that stuff. So I just wanted to let everybody know what's going out there, going on out there. Because that, that's definitely old Lord newsworthy. Well, you know, kind of like we said in the past, the easiest way for a black person to make some money is to either be a conservative talking head or pretend to be a conservative talking head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I didn't have no scruples, if I cared about money more than I cared about my reputation and my integrity and all of that, I would probably be out there praising Trump, too. But it's just some <laughs> people that don't care. You know, I care yeah. too much, though. That's all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Um. So, yeah, so just because, you know, someone's an offspring of somebody, don't mean they're going to still have the same intentions as as some of the greats. And I think, you know, these comments also just, you know, show people black people are not a monolith. We are so we all have very different experiences and opinions. And I don't agree with those just like I don't, you know, agree with like people from other ways who, you know, feel the exact same way. But. Yeah, for those that think like black people all alike, you know, people like Bernie, Samarosa, Ben Carson, uh, Sheriff David Clark, uh, what's his name? Something Paris Denard. Um, you know, they they show we we are not all alike. <laughs> Kanye West. Kanye West. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, all right, so I guess we go to our major topic today. You know, the, the pretty much the only thing that's been discussed, you know, this past week, kind of mm-hmm. been a slow news week, has this situation between Jay-Z and the NFL. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time wrestling with this, and I'll get to that in a second. But for those of you who are not familiar with this news story, essentially Jay-Z has recently partnered with the NFL Um to uh, and there's been a lot of controversy over this partnership, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but essentially, this partnership with Rock Nation, which is his entertainment company, uh, will 
well, they said it's actually been in the work for several months, but you know, they said essentially that this partnership will, he will help rock nation will help advise on selecting artists for major NFL performances like the super bowl. And of course he will help with their inspire change initiative, which was launched earlier this year, which is, you know, as a response to the whole Kaepernick situation and their attempt to show that demonstrate that they're going to help with, you know, efforts in the community. Um, and essentially, there's also been rumors that he is going to be part owner, part owner of a particular NFL team that hasn't been announced yet. Mm-hmm. Not how, not sure how true that is, but we haven't heard anything from Jay Z's camp, you know, discrediting this news. Um, so that means it might be true. Maybe by the time this episode airs, we'll have more information on that. But at the time, we don't. Um, so there's a lot of rumblings about that as well. Yeah. Um. This this week, people have been just pissed at Jay. Like I've seen so many hot takes on, you know, this deal from, you know, disappointment because they saw Jay as somebody that, you know, was fighting for justice. Um, people feeling like it was disrespectful because he didn't kind of like run it by a cap first to also people being pissed about his, I guess, comments around the deal. Um, and I can read a quote. Um, He said, I think we are past kneeling. I think it's time to go into action. Kneeling, I know we're stuck on it because it's a real thing. It's a form of protest. I support protests across the board, but everybody knows what the issue is now. Okay, so what are we going to do about it? The kneeling wasn't about Colin not having a job. It was about social injustice. So So now how do we deal with injustice? What is the way forward? And, you know, that was just, you know, kind of his way of defending a deal. He said, for me, this is action. What are we going to do together? Or will we get stuck on Colin not having a job? Yeah. So I saw I've been really wrestling with this all week since I heard the news because even on this podcast, we've praised Jay-Z numerous Mm -hmm. times for the work that he's been doing raising awareness primarily to a lot of major social justice issues, funding a lot of, you know, top um, issue people like Meek Mill and I think 21 Savage and other folks, even like Lil Wayne said that they helped him out when it came to tax trouble. So he's been a real resource for the community in a lot of ways and pushing, you know, the black agenda forward. And so when a move like this, it raises some red flags naturally because the NFL has, you know, seen has been opposition to the movement overall in a lot of ways. And so seeing Jay-Z partner, um, and the responses that have been happening, I'm try, I've been trying to digest it. My, my, I think, issue with it is that one, okay, I saw, I'm going to be sure, I'm not trying to write off Jay-Z like a lot of people are already mm-hmm. um, because of his track record, right? He's done way more good than bad, if you will. Um, and I read, for those of you who haven't, you can check out Jamel Hill's piece in The Atlantic. She wrote about it. You know, one point she did make is that, you know, we all praise Jay-Z for also being like the first hip-hop billionaire. And we all know that when you are trying to make, well, I guess we're all not billionaires, so we may not know this, but you would assume that, you know, you're going to have to make some probably tough business decisions to make that kind of money um, mm-hmm. when you're an executive uh, that are, people may not like 
all the time. And most I think Jay-Z's money, money's happenings have been, you know, behind closed doors. Um, and Jay-Z has been on record, you know, saying I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman, you know, and one of his famous lyrics. So people are questioning, is this more of a business move or a social justice move? And I think this is where many people are having the issue with. Um, and so Jay-Z is framing this as a social justice initiative right mm-hmm. um but what we all know with social justice initiatives to me what makes them more credible and legitimate is that they are public in a lot mm-hmm. of ways right like we know what the intent is we know what the funds are going directly for we know who's behind it and so with this initiative this seems to be more of a business deal Right? Because you've been working on it for months. Nobody's heard about it. You come out of the woodworks and still we don't even know exactly what you're going to be doing. Right. Um, and so all of this just had just screams business, business, business more than social change. So I think if it is a business deal, fine. I'm not going to knock Jay-Z for that. But I think we have to separate the social justice element from the business element because that's what's having causing people frustration right because we can't we can't decipher which is which we, we're taking your word for it but right now your actions don't say social justice it just says business yeah it says i'm trying to make some money and that's another issue so i've you know I follow a lot of social activists and you know not just the twitter social activists who are you know saying a lot of stuff but people who are on the ground doing the work and you know one thing that kind of i don't want to say bothered them or it but it's just something that they noticed and they said kind of hit home for them was that sometimes you have people out there doing the work and facing the legitimate consequences of the the kneeling the protesting the advocacy whatever it is and um after having faced those real world consequences somebody in scoops up somebody else comes in and like scoops up the movement and like monetizes it in a way that people on the ground are never able to do or people who face the consequences are never able to do and I I can kind of you know see that because I know even like when we think about like large movements that I have that have happened over the last few years there are a lot of people who you know, have really made a name and got famous and off of it, but they weren't necessarily the same people who were like on the ground protesting. So I, I think that's the biggest issue for me is kind of like, I really want to see how this is the supposed social justice plan is really going to help. He's going to have to do some more public facing, you know, work around justice if he want to turn this around because everybody is canceling his ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's tough, you know, because it's like, ah, I'm not, you know, I'm not rushing to do that. I'm going to say, I say, you know what, Jay? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? Because what we're getting right now from the press, we don't know all the fine print. So I'm going to wait and actually see what you do this upcoming season. You know, if there's going to be some really like major changes, initiative, something big for the community, I mean, okay, I see why you were doing this now. But on the onset, yeah, I don't feel like it's heading in that direction. But I'm going to at least give you the chance to be like, okay, show me what your intent is here before writing you off. Because maybe there's something in the works that might be big. Who knows? But if it's not, you're going to be in some trouble, Jay-Z, as far as your credibility now. Yeah. Um, And that's Mm. not good. It's not good. And speaking of that, people are also saying like the NFL essentially paid him to take the heat because it's just kind of like up. Let's put this, you know, black face in front of this issue. Nobody's going to be talking about us, you know, but we've paid to like not get our hands like we're we're not out there like catching all the flack. 
Exactly. Um, and that's been the biggest issue, even when Jamel's Hill article, and even when I look at it, think about it too, it's the fact that this doesn't seem to benefit anyone at the moment but the NFL. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've heard of, especially the last Super Bowl, you know, people protesting, uh, people as far as music artists not wanting to perform for the Super Bowl was a big thing. People like Cardi B spoke out against that. We heard Rihanna spoke out spoke out against that. Even people like Amy Schumer was trying to get um, who did it last year? I forgot what was his name. Adam Levine, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was telling him not to, he shouldn't do it, you know. Um, so in the celebrity world, the NFL has been getting a lot of blowback where also many celebrities are not even trying to take that chance. Um, so now you bring in Rock Nation, and one of the biggest things that they're saying they're going to do is select artists for, you know, major NFL concerts like the Super Bowl. Like, what? How does that help the community what is social justice about that all that is helping the getting you know putting money back in the nfl's pocket and making a better image for them publicly it's almost when you think about it like that how many people protested and i could have sworn jay-z was originally behind the protest like in like in support of like people not doing it he told travis scott not, not to, to do, do it, it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting is that this is almost like breaking the picket line like if you if this was like a union and people were striking this is like crossing that line to where it's kind of like we were all in this together and like solidarity to say we weren't going to do this and you went to the company you know behind our back and not only are you going to do this but you struck a deal that like got you like almost exclusive rights to like do some of this I don't know when I think about it like that it's kind of it's real messed up yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I mean it's not it's just not looking pretty whatsoever um I even so you know I I looked at all the other media but I kind of wanted to see what the NFL was saying so I went to their website to see how they were reporting it um and they pretty much said that uh Rock Nation and the NFL will work together to create and distribute music content across multiple music streaming services for a variety of initiatives, Rock Nation will w- work alongside the league with artists to curate the richest of football culture nationwide. Content initiatives must uh, may include a live visual album, songs of the season, original music, archived and current content from NFL music events and artist podcasts. Where's the social justice? Yeah. Like, where is the social justice? And this whole little piece they write up, they wrote about it. There's nothing about social justice. It's all about Rock Nation will help them with music and media content more than anything else. And so you spinning that whole narrative of, oh, you know, we're past kneeling now. It's about action. Bruh, this, this, this doesn't look like it's helping the community. It's just helping your pockets more than anything. Yeah. And people have turned this into a larger discussion about whether capitalism works and, you know, Jay is a capitalist. And I, I feel like up until now, we've kind of like supported that, like, oh, you know, rap billionaire, you know, you made it, you know, from the bottom. Now you're at the top. But it's like when we start to see like the downsides, we start to see that sometimes that that love for money can have you making some decisions that could essentially like ruin your entire legacy. Yeah, because up until this point, man, it was like, oh, oh, y'all about the culture. You a black billionaire, did it yeah. on your own for the people <laughs> and did not give an F about nothing and just saying what you want and doing what you want and putting the money towards the right things. And now it's just like, whoa. Um, so it's a, it's a real risky thing. 
And, you know, again, I'm trying to give credit to Jay-Z that he's very smart. And I feel like he would do something. He wouldn't do he wouldn't sit at this table without him getting something out of it. Because right now, publicly, it seems like the NFL is getting a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, okay, what are you getting out of this, Jay? And it seems right now it is the money. It's the money aspect. You know, he's getting a good chunk of the pie. And then I tried to even think about it in a way like, okay, when you're in a movement, you need people in multiple fronts, right? Yeah, you need the people on the ground. You need the people who have the business acumen. You need people who, you know, all, all education, whatever it is, in all different sectors, pushing it forward in all these different, you know, walks of life. And so I'm like, maybe, okay, we act, we do need somebody in the front office at seat at the table, you know, with the NFL to make sure that our voice is heard and that things happen. So maybe Jay can be that. But at the moment, it seems like he was largely really trying to adopt the NFL's narrative of discrediting in a way Kaepernick's what he was doing to mm-hmm. to to you know put his agenda forward um and I don't know that wasn't and I mean and, and it reached out even in Jamel Hill's article and and then Cap I think like kind of like a what do you call it when you uh passive aggressively responded on Twitter mm-hmm. uh because Eric Reed who's like best friends with Cap who's still in the league and was kneeling you know pretty much put out a post um you know, go, taking a shot at Jay-Z, like, this is not for the movement, not at all. And then Cap put out a tweet praising Eric Reed um, <laughs> statement, you know, but not really taking a shot at Jay-Z. And they said that even though Jay-Z said they spoke, um, they didn't talk about this plan at all. Jay-Z said they kind of hit him up and just said, this is what we're doing. And someone co- close from Cap's camp said that, like, it wasn't a good conversation between the two mm. um, as well. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of like, uh, this is not, you know, and, and people are questioning, like, well, Cap wants to get in the league, so why are we trying to boycott the NFL and then to do with the NFL, which is right. It had nothing to do with the NFL whatsoever. Um, and Cap still wants to play for the NFL. So it's not really an attack on the NFL, but it's if you're using that social change, community, rhetoric uh, that we need to see, you know, a little bit, a different approach. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to watch and see. Jay-Z, it's, it's just so disappointing because I'm like, him and B, you know, I remember just like rooting for them and just feeling like you said, they just sport a culture and, you know, this is this is disappointing, so. Yeah, and the fact like, if you get it part, part owner of an NFL team, what is that for? You know, mm-hmm. like what team are, is it so you can get a vote? I don't know. Like, that's just super sketchy, too. It's like, yo, the whole NFL, you in that lyric, everybody kept pulling up, like, you know, told the NFL, um, you need me, I don't need you. You know, we perform in stadiums, too. You know, his, and his, uh, I think it was that, what, what album was it? His last one or one before that, whatever. Um, and so it's just like, bruh, now you're you're shaking hands, you're laughing with the own, the, the owner, the commissioner. You're putting these initiatives together. You're using your Rock Nation to do all this stuff. And so I wonder if there's going to be any pushback from artists now, you know? Like, are Mm -hmm. they going to be like, oh, because Jay-Z essentially can be the liaison between the industry and the NFL. So people be like, oh, yeah, you know, we trust you, Jay-Z. All right, we'll come perform. We'll be like, nah, bro, I can't get behind what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll keep our eyes on it for sure. Um, And one last thing I wanted to just uh, quickly uh, talk about um, has to do with like you know I've had this been thinking because I've been seeing a lot of uh, P 
people, you know, liberals, whoever, colleagues, people went to grad school with, all these folks, right? Uh, talking about the upcoming election and talking about the candidates, and people are really pushing for certain candidates, you know, and, and no issues. Again, vote for who you want to, and I still haven't decided fully who I who I'm voting for. Um, but one thing that's worrying me from people who are more so on the liberal and progressive side is um, the impact of the swift changes that a lot of people want to see. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, I just see so so many people who colleagues and stuff who I know who are rooting for somebody like Bernie, which is under, which I completely understand. But what I think and, and majority of them are white in a lot of ways. And I think what they're missing is that and the perspective I'm taking is like, yes, I would love to see these kind of changes happen and I'm all for it. But in the back of my mind is the sense that traditionally, historically, when things like this, when there are rapid change and and you know massive change or what have you in our country, it's people of color, color and black folks who always take the hit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like if we just move quickly from the system we have now to a completely opposite and different system, you know, it's not going to be you know the white progressive and liberals who are going to suffer. It's going to be the Latinx community and black folks who are going to suffer in that time of change. Mm-hmm. And, and we're never prioritized in these conversations. We're never prioritized when the change happens. And we're always the ones still at the bottom of the barrel trying to figure our way out. And when you're just talking about major overhaul systemic change that happens rapidly, that you would like to see in a four to eight year period, you're going to hurt hurt the very communities that you stand saying you're standing with, mm-hmm. and um, so that's really frustrating me. Is like no matter what anybody says, like you can't say any critique against someone like a Bernie or Elizabeth or whoever. It's just like yo, you see what they're trying to do. I get it, but as a black person who's historically seen what has happened at the end of slavery and we have black reconstruction and then they wipe us out and then there's new Jim Crow. Then we have the Civil Rights Act and then they come here with, you know, crack cocaine and the war on drugs. Then we have somebody like Obama and then we have somebody, now we have a white supremacist in office and see what happens every time the blowback when we have progression or a swift change, we're the ones that suffer. You know, they're not going to the white liberal suburban communities to shoot y'all up, to take y'all and put y'all in the camps, you know what I'm saying, to put drugs into your communities it never happens when the when the blowback happens and so i really want y'all to think deeply about this um because it's starting to frustrate me although many of you are friends and colleagues and family or whoever i feel like you're really not genuinely taking our concerns into consideration and just pushing for this agenda and not actually having a being able to articulate how you're going to protect us when these change happens you're doing less more than a disservice than a service mm-hmm. and i was about to say i think And, of course, not all um, black people think this way, but there are a lot of black people who are just skeptical of these big claims in general. So when it seems like they're not um, fully on board, it's, it's because we've seen, like, we've experienced the system in a way that some people have not. And it makes us very skeptical of people who are selling these dreams about making our lives so much better because when has that ever happened mm-hmm. and for me it's kind of like although I do feel like there are candidates who are completely dedicated to the cause of like improving people's economic circumstances I I don't necessarily feel like there are any candidates that can that can actually win who are 
as dedicated to like racial justice, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like there's a lot of economic justice, which, of course, race and socioeconomics, they're intertwined. But just like when we had our episode about, you know, the New Deal and Reconstruction and those issues, when we don't when we when we don't say race, when we don't target those things, look what happens. So. You know, if it seems like some people might not be on board or, you know, like, wow, why aren't they supporting? Like, why is not even necessarily not supporting. But for me, it's like a, a sitting back and like watching because I I don't believe one that many of these things can happen in a four year period. That's just one. Two, when you're not willing to say racial justice in addition to economic justice, then I just feel like it's going to be another New Deal type of situation to where things are implemented and they're implemented in a way that don't fully incorporate the African-American community. And that's just me. Mm-hmm. And if huh. I feel like if you want to convince people to vote for your candidate, don't brush over those issues. Don't yes, make people yeah. feel like... <laughs> They're raising illegitimate concern, like because when we can cite Reconstruction, when we can cite the New Deal, when we can cite, you know, all of these laws that were supposed to help the people and they were economically focused and we can show how they didn't equally help everybody. Don't tell people that their claims aren't legitimate. Find a way to push your candidate to be more open about those issues or find legitimate ways to counter it. But just telling me that like somebody is my only chance, like ain't no politician ever saved me. So mm-hmm. you ain't going to convince me that one is going to save me in the future. What you can do is show me that like, okay, this is why I feel like this platform would um, equally serve everybody. This is why, but you're not you're not going to do it by making me feel like somebody's my Superman because no politician has ever been the Superman of black people. And not e- that's not even Obama. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And, I, <laughs> and like I said, don't and don't. And like you said, I just I'm looking for when when I bring up whoever brings up these issues about race and you're supporting a candidate like Bernie or whoever. Just don't tell me that he marched on Washington. Oh, you know, please stop it. Like that is stop not it. enough to secure. I mean, a lot of socialists walked on March, marched on Washington with Dr. King. Right. Not really so much for a a racial agenda but because of the economic agenda attached to that you know mm-hmm. i mean that's one of the reasons that the country had to change is because around the cold war many of the communists were recruiting a lot of black folk because they're saying listen look how your country's treating you right it was a a, 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 a strategic um initiative by the communists to do a lot of that kind of stuff Right, it was, and they were making this war within our own country because of these economic reasons, not really about race. And so, a lot of the times, especially a lot of Bernie's initiatives, especially him, you know, being the senator of a predominantly white state, right? A lot of it, he, what he does doesn't scream racial equality, you know, mm-hmm. economic for sure, but not racist, not racial equality. And I think those are things that I'm just paying attention to. And like Dav said, you know, there just has to be a real, real race agenda outside of the economic part. And it seems like most of the candidates are saying. We're primarily doing economics and then we're just going to, you know, 
have have races I like B category, you know, uh, on the way up. We'll, we'll talk about race a little bit, but it's primarily economics. Mm-hmm. And that just hasn't worked for us because this ain't the first time we talked about economics in this country. <laughs> yeah. And economic change. Um, but when have we ever truly had somebody just really, you know, prioritize race? Mm-hmm. And what I will say is, you know, it doesn't mean that folks aren't going to vote, but it just don't don't feel some type of way when somebody is not as inspired by your candidate as you are when they have always been shafted by the system. One and two for my black folk. I am starting to notice a pattern where it's like I don't even know if they're like legitimate social media people or whether they're like bots. But there's this push where like, you know, if you aren't talking about aid, you know, adults, uh, you know, African descendants of slaves, no vote. Look, I'm going to just tell you, don't listen to anybody telling you not to vote. Yeah, nah. They have an agenda and they might be using your legitimate concerns about candidates not reaching out to the black community or not having a social or racial justice agenda, they're using legitimate points to try to suppress your vote. They're trying to get you to feel some type of way like, oh, it's pointless anyway. If somebody is trying to do that, I guarantee that that's just like we saw um, with the last election and when the documents came out, you know, people trying to sow seeds of discord in a very targeted way to get people either to not vote or to get, you know, certain types of white people to be very fearful, you know, that black people were going to have some type of revolt with the karate classes. You remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like, don't fall for the okie doke either. We can push people and try to hold them accountable. It doesn't mean that we have to withhold our vote completely in 2020. That's not going to serve anybody either. So, hey. Yeah, no, no, not everybody better vote. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't got time for that. Like, have your criticisms, have your critiques, concerns, what have you. But we can't take any more chances. Um, you know, we got to get this guy out of office. Uh, realistically speaking, whoever it is comes out of the Democratic Party will be a better candidate than Trump. Um, and that's just first and foremost. We got to get this guy out of office. So, you know, you can be angry. You can feel some type of way. But we got to get out there and vote, folks, like, without without question. Um, and, and, and again, I think about things in a way like it's not really about me. It's about the next generations, man. And uh, I just feel like if we keep this guy in office for another four years. It just can be a real nasty, nasty time for them growing up. Uh, and so we got to keep that stuff in mind, too. It's not about us now and how we feel. We got to make sure that if you got kids or planning to have kids and or you have grandkids, what have you, it's about them. And so who is going to create a better environment for them? And I don't think many of you would say Trump. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. But um, but all right, yeah, I just had to get that off my chest because that was on my mind this week, too. No, I think that was a good <laughs> thing to say because I'm starting to see it more on, on Facebook. And I'm just like, I, I just don't want to get into those conversations because it, it can make you seem like you're anti-progressive yeah. or you're not. But it's just kind of like, OK, let you know, me just not You know, and this is when engage. I started thinking of... Um, 
and this is interesting too you know how you know even in the conversations around feminism right and, mm-hmm. and then like you know black feminism had to come about as well because it was just like the concerns of feminists were really about white women right and it's like and I'm starting to feel maybe like when it comes to progressives you know it might be need to be a black progressive right mm-hmm. um, a separate kind of entity that addresses the concerns of what black folks need because a lot of what's getting swept in this progressive umbrella is just largely you know economic concerns and concerns with a, a primarily through a white lens more than anything else um, so maybe there might need to be a separation like that and, and you know not that we're separating the progressive, but there are specific concerns that that we are, you know, trying to address or worried about, and we don't see that in many of the conversations when we're talking about these things. So, yeah, who knows? Just our, you know, BHD two cents, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but fun episode, nonetheless. Um, you know, I said one more week of this, and then we'll back. We'll start the interviews first week of September. Um, so hopefully, you guys are looking forward to that. We got some pretty cool guests coming on and scheduled mm. to come on. So, uh, you know, we'll update y'all with that as we go along, like we normally would. Outside of that, if you haven't yet, follow us on social media at BHD Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com, to keep up with all our latest content. You can also email us at bhdpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you know, any advice, or, you know, what's your perspective on uh, the progressives and the stances and race? You know, let us know. We like that feedback. Um, outside of that, after you do that, go ahead, review and rate us on iTunes. That really helps us out. And then after you review and rate us, us. Go ahead, share us with your friends, share us with your family, and share us with your enemies. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear.